The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue looking at the book of Hebrews, we've come to one of the sweetest, most clear statements of the hope that we have in Christ. In chapter 6, we began looking at a warning not to fall away. But we end this chapter with the greatest confirmation of the anchor of hope that we have. And that hope is not built upon anything man has done. It's built upon a covenant that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit made among themselves before the world began. Join us as we begin looking at that great hope that is both sure and steadfast and an anchor of our souls. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. My hope is
tonight we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to look at the anchor of hope, the anchor of hope. You may recall the last time we were here in this book, in our series, we were talking about primarily verse 4, which many have misinterpreted to, to find in there the, the, the ability for a child of God to fall from grace in the sense of die and go to hell fall eternally from grace. And that's not what that verse is talking about. And I find it important that we notice that while the chapter begins with that, it ends with the most uh, foundational truths of hope that we have anywhere in the Scripture. And the point is this, is that that's talking about something that can happen in time, but ultimately what we're going to end up with in this chapter 6 is the foundational truth of the eternal security and completion of the covenant of grace. And that's a glorious thing. And I want to talk about tonight the anchor of hope. Let's just begin reading where we left off last time in verse 9. Remember he said, there's some problems here. You need to be careful that you don't fall away. And these are clearly children of God, not someone who's never been a child of God. We won't go back over that, but you can listen to the sermon if you want to sometime and understand that this is talking about born-again children of God that, that have slipped away from the truths as he's warned them already twice before. Don't let these things slip. Don't slide away. Don't, don't get away from the truths of grace. And there's a point where you may get to where only God can bring you back. You know, I know God's involved in every time there's a conversion that occurs, but, but sometimes, you know, he uses a preacher, he uses someone else who's, who's trying to help to, uh, to cause that person to see the truths and to come back to him. But sometimes, like the prodigal son, he gets so far away that only God can bring him back. It's impossible for men, but it's, nothing's impossible for God. But notice that he turns now in verse 9 and says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though thus we speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What we have here is a focus upon the people of hope. The people of hope. You remember our topic is the anchor of hope, but here's the people of hope. And notice he's saying that even in this, this, this passage where he is, uh, he is bring, calling them to task and he's warning them about not slipping away, you know, it's kind of like when your father said, son, don't go here. Don't do this. I expect you to act in this way. And then he says, but I, but I trust that you're going to, you know, sometimes we can just browbeat our children, but sometimes we have to get on to them. But I always tried to come back and reinforce that I, but Hey, I trust you not to do this. Don't get off into this ditch over here. Don't get off into this, this type of lifestyle, but Hey, I trust you that you're not going to, that you're going to that you're going, to, uh, uh, you're going to follow what you ought to. And that's what he's doing here. He says, don't slip away. Don't, you know, you're, <laughs> he's already gotten on to him in chapter 5 saying, you're, you're, you're babes in Christ. You should be teaching others, but I'm having to go back and re reaffirm these things and reteach you. But he said, but look, we're persuaded better things of you than that you're going to be those that slide off into unbelief to the point where, only God can restore you. He says, we are persuaded 
better things of you. So notice, though, something very important about this. This verse affirms that he is writing to children of God. He's not writing to those who aren't children of God. He said, we're persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. In other words, I know you're children of God, and that's who he's been writing to here. The context is clearly time salvation, the temporal salvation. But surely we must believe that those who have time salvation are those who possess eternal salvation because you wouldn't be able to be delivered in time if you weren't already delivered eternally, you see. And what Paul is saying here, who I believe, I believe Paul is a writer. I, may, I realize it's not declared to us there, but I do believe Paul is a writer. I may say that from time to time. If you disagree, that's no problem. I'm not going to be dogmatic about that, but I see some things that make me think it was Paul. But what the writer is saying here is that you're a child of God, and as a child of God, you ought to persevere, okay? You ought to continue in the, in the faith that you've been delivered, and you ought to not fall away. Now, remember, not all children of God persevere. But, praise God, all who do persevere are preserved. <laughs> you know, all children of God are preserved in grace, but those who persevere just kind of prove it. <laughs> they just kind of show it, you see. You couldn't persevere in the first place if you weren't already a child of God. And, and, and again, all this talk about chapter, verse 4, it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted uh, the heavenly gift, if they fall away to renew them again. All that about, oh, is this a child of God? Is it not? It's moot. Clearly, we're talking to children of God. In verse 10, he reminds them of the reward for righteousness. He said, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Child of God, there are blessings in obedience. There are blessings in being faithful. You know, it's always better to do good than to do evil. Uh, you remember back in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42. He's talking about all the things we ought to do and how we ought to be disciples. We ought to love discipleship above even mother and father and Verse 39, he that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And ultimately in verse 42, he said, Whosoever shall give to drink, shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Now that reward, by the way, is not some kind of degrees of crowns and that sort of thing in heaven. The reward is heaven. That is the reward. We're not working to try to find a, you know, scrambling for some position in the heavenly hierarchy. We, we're going to heaven, and that is the reward. We're, you know, what else can we, what more could we want? Somebody says, well, I know I'm going to heaven, but I'm not going to be satisfied if I'm not, you know, a captain or a, or a general or something in the Lord's army. No, I just want to be a private. I just want to be there. Because all we need, all we desire is wrapped up in the heavenly portals. Being there is the reward. He says there's a reward. But there's also blessings in obedience here. When we're talking about the eternal reward, that's heaven. But anytime we see rewards talked about in the sense of, uh, of blessings, that's, that's the kind of thing we're looking for here. And that's probably the best uh, description of those is found over in the first chapter of the book of Isaiah. Back over in Isaiah, uh, if, as you begin reading there in verse 1, it's the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos. And notice that he's prophesying in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. 
Now, if you remember, without getting too deep into this, because I don't want to get distracted here from our main point, Uzziah was the king who went into the temple and tried to burn incense, and because he, he tried to usurp the authority of the priest, God struck him with leprosy, and he quit ever going to the temple. And then his son Jotham was a good king, but he never went to the temple. It's kind of like today we might say, Granddaddy had problems in church, so Daddy never went, you know. And I've seen that very situation. I've seen that very circumstance. And so then... Ahaz was one of the worst kings in the history of the nation of Judah. He even sacrificed his own children to Molech, that Baalish, devilish God over there. But ultimately, Hezekiah was one of the best kings. So Isaiah saw it run the gamut there. He, he was all across the spectrum. He went from a, pretty, a really good king who fell from the being, you know, departed from the right way to walk to a, a pretty decent king, but who didn't follow the Lord to one of the worst kings to then one of the best kings. And he goes on to tell, he, he begins to call the nation of Israel to account. He said, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. And he begins to tell how they rebelled. He said, the ox knoweth his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. I have given them all these blessings, I've shown them all these good things, and yet they don't even know who I am. And he comes on down to the point where he begins, as I said, to call the role of all the all the problems, but he gets on over into verses 16 and 17 and down following, and he says something very important for us. In verse 16, he says, Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well. Now, now let's just stop there for a second and remind ourselves that this cannot be talking to the dead alien sinner because a dead man can't put away evil. He can't learn to do well. He can't seek the things of the Spirit of God, for the natural man does not seek them. Their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. But he says to children of God, and this is to you and me, child of God, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now. And let us reason together, saith the Lord. This must be a people that has a mind that can reason the spiritual things of God. So they are children of God. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now I understand, and you do too, I believe, that when Christ put away our sins, the, the scarlet sins were washed by the blood of Christ to be uh, white as snow. This isn't talking about eternal redemption, eternal washing here. What he's saying is this. If you'll turn from your evil ways, child of God, if you'll stop doing evil and start doing good, the scarlet nature of the sin, the, the, the awful uh, stench of sin that is upon you in your daily walk can be put away. And they can be washed as white as, you know, it doesn't mean they'll be washed as white as eternal snow, so to speak, because we'll never get it all just right. But when we do right, good things happen. Better things happen than when we do wrong, don't they? <laughs> Amen. Notice now verse 19. This is the one that we need to remember. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That's probably the best statement 
of the blessings we find in obedience and the problems we have when we are disobedient. Israel was in a bad place, but ultimately God said, if you'll turn from that, you'll be blessed. And that's what, he's, that's what the writer in Hebrews is saying here. He's saying, God's not unrighteous to forget your labor of love, your work, these good works which you've showed toward his name. Just stay faithful. Don't, don't be tempted to slide back. Stay faithful. God will bless you. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Whereas if you are not willing and not obedient, you'll end up with the curses and the, the problems that you would experience out here in the world. Verse 11, he says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. What Paul is saying here, what the writer is saying is that every one of God's children ought to be diligent, and that's his great desire. Do you know that's, that's my desire? First of all, it's my desire for, for myself. But every preacher worth his salt, every pastor in particular, should be burning up with a desire for his congregation to be diligent, to be faithful, to be patient toward the full assurance of hope unto the end. I want you to grow in grace. You know, Paul said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Beloved, that's my heart's desire and prayer for you is that you might be saved. Now, I'm not talking about eternal salvation because I trust you've already got it. But I want you to be saved from this crooked generation. That's what the word of God will do for you. I want it for myself and I have to struggle for me. But my, my prayer as a pastor is that you grow. You know, we talked about that passage back over in chapter 5 where Paul basically says you need to grow up. You don't need to be babes in Christ. You need to be, you, don't, you, know, you ought to be teachers, but you're still having to be taught. That's my desire for all those under the sound of my voice, all those in this church and those that I get to preach to from time to time. My desire, like Paul's, is that you might be saved. And I mean that you might save yourselves by trusting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, again, we're not talking about doing that to go to heaven, but you who are going to heaven need to believe that and trust it here. It will deliver you. It will save you in a timely sense. And that's what the writer here is saying. You know, over in, over in 2 Peter 1, he, he gives us these things to do, add to your faith, charity, and, you know, charity, all these things. And he says, ultimately, he says, make your calling and election sure. Now, I know there's a teaching out there that you better do that or you might not really be called or elected. That that's somehow talking about eternity. Who's, who are you making the calling and election sure to? Not God. He's sure. <laughs> He's sure the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. But see, what we need to make it sure to is ourselves. I have to reassure myself from time to time that I'm one of His. The Lord knows I don't need to prove to Him who I am, but I need to prove to me from time to time that I, have, that I am one of those that was part of that covenant of grace from before the foundation of the world because I struggle in this world. I, I fall away so many times. I'm so unfaithful from time to time, and when I am unfaithful, I don't feel much like I'm called or elected. But when I'm faithful, I feel it. You know, when, when I make the right choice, when I 
when I do the right thing, I feel the close fellowship with God. I, I feel the fellowship with God tonight here in this pulpit, in this room with God's people. I'll struggle with it tomorrow. I'll struggle with it tonight before I go to bed. But right now I feel that assurance. I feel certain that I'm one of his. I'll be struggling with it later when I get away. But praise God, he says, just keep on keeping on. Keep on, keep on adding to your faith, diligence, and charity, and all those things. And, and you won't prove to God anything. He already knows, but you can prove to yourself who you really are, you see. And he says, don't be slothful, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You remember that word back in chapter 5? He said, in verse uh, 11, he said, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. That's, that's being slothful in your hearing. That's being a sluggard. That's, that's not studying. That's not following up. That's not coming to church. That's not doing all the things God says to do. You're just being dull of hearing. And that's what will happen if you do these things. You'll just end up duller and duller of hearing. And it's talking about not being diligent. Well, here he says, I want you to be diligent. Don't be slothful. That's the same word. But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He says, you need to be diligent and not slothful. Now, if you are the people of hope, what is the assurance? Well, let's look now for the time we have left at the hope of the people. The hope of the people of God. Verse 13. He begins to remind them here of the oath of the covenant that he made to Abraham. And I want to remind you of this. You don't have to turn there, but make a note that in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8, you know, sometimes people say the gospel didn't begin until the New Testament. Oh, no, those Old Testament saints didn't have the gospel. Oh, yes, they did. Galatians 3, 8 tells us that the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. If you want to know where the gospel is, well, it begins in the Garden of Eden, actually. It begins over there when he tells Eve that her seed would bruise the head of the serpent. But it is specifically referenced and talked about in Galatians that when he's talking to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and he's saying, your, your seed will be as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. In you will all nations of the earth be blessed. Anywhere you read that, you're reading the gospel message. See, that's not just about Abraham's seed in a physical sense because we read in the book of Romans that they're not all Israel who are of Israel. So who is really Israel? Israel is really those who are circumcised in the heart and not in the flesh. And that can be Gentiles. That can be people from every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And in fact, it is those people because we read about those in the book of Revelation. Praise God, that's you and me. Now, maybe you've got some Jewish blood in you. I don't know that. Maybe you've got some Israelite uh, genealogy. I, I don't think I do. But praise God, I don't have to. I don't have to be of the tribe of any tribe of Benjamin or Judah or any of those other tribes. I don't be, have to be of the lineage of Abraham because even though I'm a heathen, that's the heathen that they're talking about, even though I'm a Gentile, praise God, he has a people among every kindred, nation, tongue, and tribe. So every time we read about a promise to Abraham about his seed, we're reading the gospel message in the Old Testament. 
So let's look at this. God, God made a promise. God made a promise. Notice it says, for when God made promise to Abraham, God made a promise. I want us to look just briefly back over the 15th chapter of Genesis. But notice there's several places in chapter, you can turn to chapter 15, but notice that in chapter 12, uh, we're told that the Lord had said unto Abram, get out of your country and get out of Ur and away from your father's house. He said, and I'll make of thee a great nation and will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And, and he goes on to talk about blessing them that bless him and cursing him that curse thee. And he ends up in verse three with this phrase, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. The messianic promise, the promise of the gospel. And then in chapter 15, because you see, he repeats it in a slightly different way. See, it's been a while, and Abraham still doesn't have any children. But notice in chapter 15, it begins with this. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. But even with this promise, Abram has some questions. And don't we, don't we tend to be like this? Even though God's promised things, we tend to doubt them. And Abram said to the Lord, said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And he goes on to say, you've given me no children. And the one that's born in my house is mine heir. And what does God say? God said, you listen to me real close, Abraham. He says, behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, this shall not be thine heir. You don't have an inheritance here on this earth. This is not some earthly inheritance. This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thy, thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, that is, count the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.